Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. Verse, go to Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. Now Moses has fled Egypt. He's met Zipporah and his father-in-law, and he's starting to raise a family. He's keeping the sheep. And in Exodus chapter 2, verse 23... It came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Now listen to this next part. And the children of Israel, who are being held as slaves, sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried. And their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage or because of the bondage. And God heard their groanings. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel. And God had respect unto them, or compassion unto them. Look at that verse. What did it take? Think about it. There was no word from God except that they were going to be held in bondage for 400 years before God raised up a deliverer. Moses understood from those scriptures it was him. But when he tried to act in his own power, he committed murder. And when it was exposed, he had to flee. Now he was 40 years old when he fled. Amen. He was supposed to deliver Israel, leading them out of bondage. But when he failed to do what his calling in life was for, when Moses failed to act, he fled. And in verse three, or chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. That was his job. Was it his job to be a shepherd? No. He was supposed to be a leader of the Hebrews, bringing them out of bondage. 
But since he failed to do what God said, now he has to be retrained. So he is leading the flock to the backside of the desert. Moses is being trained in how to be a shepherd. There was another great deliverer who was a shepherd. His name was David. There was another great deliverer who was a shepherd. His name was Jesus. So God is working something here. He's teaching Moses how to lead a bunch of disobedient sheep. Amen. Have you ever tried to herd a herd? Some of these have their own willpower, and they're going to do everything except what you want them to do. Oh, they'll kind of go along with the main flock. Kind of like what we see in the United States today. As you're trying to shepherd your flock, pastor, you're going to have a group who will follow you wherever you go. But then you're going to have the ones on the fringe that are going to do what they want to do. Oh, they'll kind of follow the flock and they'll attend church on Sundays sometimes. And they're kind of there when something important's going on. But most of the time, you don't have any input in their life at all. They do what they want. And here, that's what Moses is facing. And he has not heard from God at all since he fled. And then one day, on the backside of the mountain in the farthest reaches of the desert... God appears to Moses in a burning bush and calls him, Moses, Moses. He says, I'm here. He said, draw near to me. Take your shoes off for you're standing on holy ground here, Moses. And what what does God say in verse 7? I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, and I know their sorrows. And I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And then in verse 10 he says, Now I'm going to send you to Pharaoh so you can bring my people out of Israel or out of Egypt and into Israel. Moses is 80 years old now. Forty years, he hasn't heard anything from God. No word at all. And he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? That I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, I will certainly be with you. That's identity. God saying, I will be with you. And this shall be a token unto you that I've sent you when you've brought forth the people out of Egypt, you'll serve God on this mountain. And Moses argued with God back and forth. Oh, but I love verse 21. I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Hallelujah. I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. 
And it shall come to pass that when you go out, you will not go out empty. You see, 400 years, the Hebrew people were held in bondage with no word from God. But what did it take? They finally got fed up with their lot in life and began to cry out to their God, the God of their fathers. When they cried out, God heard them and then went to get Moses. You see, not only did he send Moses out into the desert wilderness to train him in how to lead a group of disobedient a flock of disobedient people by these sheep. Not only did he train him on where to find water and how to survive in the wilderness, not only did he train him to seek God, because I have a feeling that's what Moses was doing. Otherwise, he wouldn't have observed the burning bush and heard God speak to him. Not only was he doing all that, he was protecting Moses at the same time. Because Moses was his deliverer. The people were not ready to follow Moses. They were not ready to leave their subjection behind. They were not ready to escape the bondage they were in. Because they weren't seeking God either. But when their oppression became so great that they cried out to God, God immediately answered and went and got Moses where he was being protected and brought him back. Amen? And you can read the rest of the story yourself. Many, many religious scholars say Moses was being trained to take over that nation. He was number two. The first son was going to take over. And God probably had a plan where that son would have either been deposed or perhaps died in battle. And Moses would have risen to the position of Pharaoh over Egypt. And a lot of biblical scholars place this at 30 years prior to what we just read about where God meeting Moses on the backside of the desert. So Moses had 10 more years of training in Egypt. 10 more years of leading battles against Egypt's enemies, gaining fame and favor with the Egyptian people, rising up to be in a position where he could be ruler over it all including his Hebrew brothers and sisters. But because he tried to do it on his own, without hearing from God that it was time to move, the Egyptian people suffered. I'm sorry. The Israeli people, the Hebrew children, suffered 30 more years of oppression. Because one man tried to do it on his own. We just seen where Abraham or Abram went 
13 years without hearing from God at all when he tried to do it on his own. Now Moses goes 40 years without hearing from God. The Egyptian people, I keep saying the Egyptian people, the Hebrew people suffered 30 years more oppression and slavery than was necessary because one man failed to seek God. Think about the people that died in slavery that didn't have to. Because one man failed to seek God. Amen. Then we just seen at the end of the book of Malachi how a prophecy was given that John the Baptist would be the forerunner for Jesus. That's the last thing God spoke. Turn there again. Malachi chapter 4. Glory to God. And you see, he tells the people, let's let's read all of verse 4. I mean, sorry, chapter 4. This is God's last word before he stops speaking for 400 years. Verse 1. For behold, the day is coming that shall burn as an oven. And all the proud, yes, all that do wickedly, shall be stubble. And the day that comes shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, and it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Now we could just analyze these verses as we go. I think it speaks for itself. Verse 2, but unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and he shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet, In the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Now that son of righteousness is S-U-N, not S-O-N. When the sun burns hot, it makes life unbearable. If the sun burns so hot, it burns everything up. It's hot. Amen. And he's saying that you shall go forth in that same power as the Son, S-U-N, of righteousness. And everywhere you put your foot down shall burn up. It'll be ashes. They, the wickedly, shall be like ashes under your feet. Folks, this is talking about the second coming. When we return with Christ in the power and the glory of God the Father in the clouds of heaven and rule with him for a thousand years on this earth, no one will be able to stand against us because we are serving our king in the roles he gives us and assigns us to. 
Amen. And we'll tread down the wicked. Glory to God. There'll be ashes under the soles of our feet in that day that he does this. Then he gives words to the people before all this takes place. He says, you need to remember this. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded to him in Horeb for all of Israel and the statutes and the judgments. So until this day arrives... Follow the commandments is what he's saying. You see, the commandments were designed. Lord, give me the words here. The commandments were designed to show you you're incapable of drawing close to God on your own. You need an intercessor. You need a redeemer. And that's why the sacrifices were established to allow you to draw close to God. And he said, remember them. Remember that. Remember that. And then he says, okay, he just said, there's a day coming with all who believe will come as the sun, S-U-N of righteousness, burning up everything that is wicked in their path, that it's just dust and ashes under the soles of their feet wherever they go. Now until that day comes, remember Moses and everything he told you to do. And as that day comes, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before that great and dreadful day of the Lord. You will receive Elijah the prophet back again. And that's a sign that these days are about to happen. And Elijah the prophet who shall return again, he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Amen? So, here's the outline. The day's coming when you're going to come in the righteousness of God. You're going to have such authority and power on this earth that everywhere you walk, wicked people are just going to be swept away. You'll walk in complete victory at all times. But until that time comes, remember what Moses taught you to do and do it. And as that day approaches, I'm going to send Elijah from heaven back to earth. That he can bring the children back to their fathers. And for those that do not obey, I'll smite with a curse. Turn to Luke chapter 1. And here's what you're going to see. The coming of Elijah. Hallelujah. You have the birth of John the Baptist. And in verse 17, John the Baptist is born. Zacharias has been dumb. He has not been able to speak since he had the vision of the angel. And the crowd of relatives are trying to name the boy and 
Elizabeth says his name's John. That's what the angel told us. Name. Say, you can't name John. There's nobody in your family into that. Let's let you know. You you have no input here. Let's let the father name him, and he wrote it on the tablet. His name is John, and immediately his lips were loose, his tongue was loose, that he began to proclaim. And verse seventeen. Let's verse verse sixteen. Many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, turning the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So there you see. The sign. This is a sign that the leadership in Israel should have recognized. I mean, you got the miracle. Zacharias and Elizabeth, old in age, unable to have children. He has a vision in the temple. Elizabeth conceives in her old age, bears a son, Names him John because that's what the angel said, despite what all the relatives had to input. And then he's prophesying over John that scripture that should have been flags being raised in the ears of the Jewish leadership. But it's not. Now they take John away to keep him safe. And we know that Mary is pregnant with Jesus at this time. Six months, Elizabeth was pregnant before Mary conceived. Mary goes to live with Elizabeth until the time of the birth of John the Baptist. Then she returns home and and all the other things take place. But six months later, John the Baptist is now six months old when Jesus is born. And we've seen, we're not going to go into all the the studies about the birth of Jesus on this part. It's not my point. We know Jesus was approximately 30 years old when he began his ministry. So that means a period of 30 years elapsed between John the Baptist's birth and when John the Baptist began his ministry. Does that 30-year period sound familiar? It's the same thing as it was with Moses. Amen? The Jewish leadership could have known that the Messiah was here. He's coming. Praise God. John the Baptist is here in the power of Elijah. We know that it is time for the Messiah to make his appearance. If they would have been studying the scriptures. But they missed it for 30 years. Just like the Hebrew children missed crying out to God. They seen Moses. They knew who Moses was. They could have supported Moses. Instead, they were turning again. They didn't want to have anything he had to do. They wanted to listen to him. So he was trying to show them that he was their guy. 
And they rejected him and endured 30 more years of bondage. The Israelis, when John the Baptist, his, I mean, the miracle should have, I mean, the... Okay. The Pharisees and Sadducees should have been extremely involved in the birth of John the Baptist to verify this miracle that had occurred. Instead, they were being persecuted to the point that John the Baptist's family had to take him out into where? The desert to protect him and raise him. Glory to God. There's another exact similitude with Moses again. Amen. When John the Baptist returned in the power of the Lord and began his ministry, who was he preaching to? Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. What did John the Baptist say? Let me go over here. Oh, hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 3, here comes John the Baptist. 30 years have elapsed now. No word from God to the Israeli people for 400 years. We've seen that in Malachi, correct? 400 years elapsed between the last word in Malachi to now, the birth of John the Baptist. And then, I mean, because didn't God's word come to him in the temple? That's what made it a miracle. An angel of God brought the word of God to a priest and said, this is what's going to happen. They had not heard from God in 400 years. That's why Zacharias was like, uh, how do I know this is true? We haven't heard from God in centuries. How do I know what you're saying is true? And the angel said, you're going to be dumb. You're not going to be able to speak until this comes to pass. And as soon as it came to pass, praise God, everything else took That's why it's amazing that the the Jewish leadership failed to recognize that miracle. But now, to save his life, his parents take him out into the desert, just like Moses fleed to the desert, for 30 years. Now here in chapter 3, here comes John the Baptist. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Glory to God. That's the thing, same thing Jesus told us to preach. We'll get there. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his path straight. Amen. And people started listening to him. Amen. Just like Moses, when he returned, people started listening to him. Moses walked into Pharaoh and said, Let my people go, saith the Lord. And naturally, that didn't happen. God told him it wasn't going to happen. 
that they were going to reject everything, that Pharaoh was going to reject everything Moses had to say, but God was going to show himself strong in Moses' behalf and on behalf of his people, and ten plagues struck Egypt. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.